Welcome to Chasing Kangaroos, where each week we talk three topics from the world of rugby league. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos. I'm Michael Carboni, and here to talk to me about the world of rugby league, Charlie Monty. Guys, how's it going? Carbs, episode two, and we've already decided that uh, we're going to do this together. So, a bit different to last week. This week, we're actually in the mobile studio in Five Dog together. After one week, we decided we couldn't do this uh, separately, and here we are. Mate, uh, another big week, weekend, or big week of uh, International Rugby League results. We had three topics in mind tonight to, to talk about, but um, some big news today, Golden Boot Award. Yeah, we're breaking the rule tonight, guys, so a uh, little bonus topic, Golden Point. Let me ask you, Charlie, uh, Tommy Mackinson, who the fuck is he? Apparently he's our Golden Boot. Um <laughs> But look, I think, uh, mate, I don't know how much you want me to get into this, but I've got a little bit of a rant about this. Tell me. Um, a lot of media pundits, uh, well, I should say Southern Hemisphere media pundits and social media commentators are talking about how this is a travesty, Tedesco's robbed, who is this guy? And I can understand the sentiment, but I think to me it shows a lack of understanding about what the golden boot really is. I mean, do you think, Michael, do people get what the golden boot actually is? Is that the problem here? I think people don't realise um, the changes in criteria. So golden boot used to mean best player in the world. That's what we've come to expect. So when Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston, Benji Marshall, Kevin Sinfield, when these guys are winning golden boots, we know that they were the best player, the best rugby league player in the world that year. Um, and a guy has just won it who, let's face it, isn't even the best player in his position in rugby league. Definitely not. Well, well, most, I guess, Southern Hemisphere fans didn't know who he was two weeks ago. Um, so the criteria has changed. It's now, they now only count international games. Um, look, you can't take it away from the bloke. He's won it based on the new criteria. He has been, I guess, the most consistent international player, or he's played the most international games. I don't know. But... Well, I'll, I'll, I disagree that he's been the most consistent international player, but we'll come back to that in a sec. My question to you now is, is the criteria wrong? Look, I think so. Um, only because it's no longer about who is the best player in the world. It's no longer that. Que- the, that's no longer the question. It's now who has played well during the three or four international games that they got to play this year. Okay, if it was who's the best player in the world, who wins? Oh, it's Teddy. Teddy yeah. Teddy wins it Teddy based on the old it. criteria. Teddy yeah, so it. Won a comp this what, year. Won a New comp. New South Wales best player. And, and played well during the international games as well. Yeah. Um, you know... Maybe... But once you take out... Okay, so I think we're in agreement that an award with the history and prestige of the Golden Boot probably needs to reflect who's been the best player over the course of that season of... over the course of that calendar year of rugby league. So, um, but as we both say, the criteria is what it is. Under the current criteria, do you agree with the decision? Oh, you have to. You have to. He's... He... There was a game... I think last game he scored three tries, so obviously he was man of the match there. Game before that he played well. Um, and that's all you need, two good games <laughs> under the current criteria. I guess that's I, right. I when think Australia played two games under the current criteria, it probably makes sense. But look, I I think Elliot Whitehead from England can probably consider himself a little bit 
unlucky. Yeah, probably. I think he was far and away England's best in Denver. Scored two tries in that game. England have been dominant in this series against New Zealand. Uh, I think he's been their best in probably two of their most recent games. Definitely far and away their best forward. Um, I would have had him over Mackinson, but... Yeah, probably unlucky. A bit, little bit unlucky, but as you say, I can't think of anyone from Australia or New Zealand who, if the criteria is international matches, who deserves it ahead of an English player. And criteria aside, I think as internationalists, we can both agree that someone from England and someone from the Super League, yeah, it's pretty That's good. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we so, want to see. So Tommy Mackinson, well done, mate. I don't uh, know who congratulations. you are, but I fucking love you. Mate. Know who you are now. Just followed you on Instagram. You probably got a few of those. Funny story. My dad, when I when I uh, spoke to my dad earlier today, he said, "Who the fuck's this guy who played, who won the Golden Boot? This young kid should St George sign him." And I said, "Dad, he's played two hundred games. He's twenty seven, twenty eight years old. <laughs> Maybe we should sign him. We yeah. definitely should sign him. Should premise." Big Dragons fans, but we don't really talk NRL here, so no, that's all you NRL. hear about that. That's it. Um, also, a special mention, Isabel Kelly, the first female Golden Boot winner. Um, had a good, obviously good season uh, in the WNRL. Um, had some good... Interna- obviously, that didn't count, judging by <laughs> in the new criteria, so the one or two international games that she had, she played well as well. Um, great to get that re- recognition as, you know, this year. Um, I think the Women's Rugby League has been... Um, just a fantastic thing in 2018. Going from strength to strength. Charlie, let's get into our scheduled topics for this evening. Topic number one, England versus New Zealand. England's wrapped up the series. They won game two, 20 to 14. Um, what do you like about it? Firstly, I've got to say 26 or 27,000 at Anfield is an incredible result. Yep. Brilliant crowd. It appeared to mean the world to the crowd. They were absolutely going off. But not just the crowd, how much it meant to the players. There was a lot of feeling in that game. It was a very, very physical game. Both squads were just absolutely hell-bent on getting the result. And I think it's fantastic to see such hard-fought, close, high-quality games that don't involve Australia. Well, these guys have been having games like this for the last decade. New Zealand and England have, have been entertaining for quite some time when they play against each other. Um, it's just when England's come down to the Southern Hemisphere where they've had some issues. Uh, but I, I love seeing these two nations play. You, It's flip of the coin. New Zealand could have won both of these games. You know, they were leading at crucial stages um, in Game 1 and game two. game 2. They could come out and, and, and thump them in Game 3. Um, you just don't know. Um Equally, it could be a whitewash as well. So I, I just love seeing these guys play. I want to see it every year. Just just bring it on. Like, let them keep playing each other over and over and over well, again. Well, you raise an interesting point. Will we see it next year? What will we see next year? Because the international calendar at this stage is still so uncertain. There is a Great Britain and Ireland Lions tour scheduled for 2019. Yeah, don't get me started on the Lions. I know mate. you have very strong, <laughs> very strong thoughts on the Lions. Would you like to talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, look, to to me, the Lions are a bit of a wasted opportunity. Um, I see they had a place in the past. Um, I just don't see why it's necessary now. It's not a brand that anyone really cares about. I'd probably argue that most Australian or New Zealand fans wouldn't even know the difference you, you know your base your 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 casual fans won't know the difference between England or the lions um i'd also argue that 
if you look so at So we're the, muddying the waters by, I think by so. having England be uh, so successful in the short term and then all of a sudden after 10 years of not having them here, we've got the Lions out again. Does it just confuse... But what's the point, Charlie? Because, like, name a whale, a Welsh, Irish or Scottish player that gets a jersey ahead of an English player in this Lions squad. Yeah, it doesn't happen. There's none. There are none. It's just England in a different jersey. So is it a wasted opportunity? Big time. Big time. And And I'll tell you why... Um, for me, like England, they they came so close in last year's World Cup. They went down by six against Australia in the grand final. They've come out this year. They've beaten New Zealand in Denver. They've absolutely shellacked France, which is probably expected. They've come out and now beaten New Zealand twice and, you know, looking down the barrel of whitewashing New Zealand next week. Um, and they're not going to get a chance to play Australia as England until 2021. That's what it's looking like. Well, it's ridiculous. So we've got the world number one versus the current world number two. All English fans are claiming that they're the world number one, but we don't know, and we're not going to know until until three years' time. And look, I think the, the sentiments that you've got are actually echoed by none other, none other than Wayne Bennett himself, who has been very vocal about the fact that he wants his English team playing more football. He's putting a lot of pressure on the International Federation He's basically saying, we are here to play. The, um, I 100% agree with your sentiments on having um, a Lions tour over an English team tour. I think England's been established now to the point that there would be some genuine interest in seeing an Australia and England series. And I think having the Lions play, just as we've said, muddies the water, confuses things a little bit. But what I did like was seeing Wayne Bennett say, well, Australia, you won't commit to playing Great Britain in 2019. Fuck you. We'll come to the Southern Hemisphere. (laughs) We'll play Samoa. We'll play Tonga. We'll play in PNG. We'll play in New Zealand. We'll be in that part of the world. But Australia, if we have to leave you out, so be it. And I like that attitude from Wayne Bennett. Obviously, for the game, we want Australia to say, yes, we'll participate. We'll be a part of that tour. But I like the fact that England... Great Britain, I should say, even I'm getting confused, are prepared to say, you know what, we'll go on without you. But we we don't know what's happening next year. We're at a point where we've got Eng- we've got England or we've got the Lions touring the Southern Hemisphere. They want to play Australia. Australia don't want a bar of it. Austra- Mal Menning has come out and said he'd rather a kangaroo tour in the UK, um, which I think would be good. But then you've got the Oceania Cup, which is being talked about, so two tiers, Australia, New Zealand, Tonga, T1, uh, battling it out, and then Fiji, Papua New Guinea and Samoa and T2 battling it out. Meanwhile, the Lions are over here playing sides in between. Um, I'm just not sure that we know what's going on. I'm not sure when we're going to find out, to be honest with you as well. Yeah, I think there absolutely needs to be a lot more clarity. Let's get some games scheduled for 2019, absolutely. I just want to ask you a quick question as well. We've already touched on Wayne Bennett. Um, Has he been a saviour of English Rugby League? Look, I think he's been fantastic. When he first got the job, he first started, it was uh, 2016, and there was a lot of criticism. He, When he picked that original Four Nations squad... In that first World Cup squad, he included guys like Chris McQueen, Chris Hyington, ahead of born and bred English Super League players. They the the Northern Hemisphere Rugby League media didn't like him. They were very vocal about that. They had a poor Four Nations in 2016. 
they had very uh, near misses against Scotland and France. Very, very lucky to win those games. But then all of a sudden, they've absolutely turned it around. They've been dominant over New Zealand in this series. They made a World Cup final and were unlucky to lose it. As you said, uh, beat France convincingly. Looked like they might be heading for a whitewash here. But perhaps the most pleasing thing, as I've alluded to before, about Wayne Bennett's time in charge of England is the focus that he has placed and he's been using his profile to agitate for more international football. I think it's fantastic. What do you think? I love it. I think um, it's the, the best part about it is the fans are getting behind it as well. We saw um, 25,000, 26,000 at Liverpool, at Anfield. Um, we've already seen 25,000 tickets sold for Game 3. That's fantastic. Um, it's good news for English Rugby League. Um, I just hope it gets better and better. Um, I just hope they get a chance to play against Australia at some stage soon. While Australia's probably at um, one of their weakest stages. Well, it's a missed opportunity if they don't, because in it, in the Southern Hemisphere, Wayne Bennett adds credibility to that English side. And if we don't capitalise on that in the short term, as you alluded to before, it's just an incredible waste. Let's move on to topic number two, and let's talk about some of the smaller nations in the world of rugby league. The America's Cup kicks off, doubleheader in Jacksonville, the home of American Rugby League. Um, we've got four sides competing this year. Uh, winner goes through to the World Cup. We've got game round one, USA versus Chile, uh, Jamaica versus Canada. Uh, round two, we'll see the two winners face off for a spot in the Cup uh, and the losers face off for some practice, I suppose. I want to talk a little bit about these, these four teams. Charlie, do you know much about it? You can be honest with me. I don't think a lot of people do. Mate, I know next to nothing about these <laughs> sides. Look, I think um, Chile have done well to, to get where they are, given that they're up against other South American sides with much bigger populations or much more established rugby histories. Uh, beyond that, I can't say I know a lot about it. I would think, Michael, you know a little bit more about these teams than I do, which isn't very difficult, but is <laughs> is there any chance that USA don't walk this. USA uh, convincingly win this series, in my opinion. Um, I think. Look, I, I, you need to. We need to congratulate Chile for just being there. The guys at Latin Heat have done an amazing job over the past twelve months. I don't think anyone expected Chile to be uh, the South American side to come through to this level first. Um, but I think. Um, look, I think USA. They've got the preparation. They've got the domestic comp. Uh, that went well this year. The the uh, Northern Southern All Stars match. A lot of players coming from from that game. I um, mean, they've also got some depth from the lower grades in England as well. The Pettiborn brothers, uh, Ryan Burrows as well. They've got a quality side. Uh, a lot of players who played in the last World Cup. Uh, they should beat Chile convincingly by at least fifty. I think I've said Chile and Chile. Uh, in the last couple of sentences. Um, but look, I think the US beat them convincingly. I think the other game's a little bit closer, so Jamaica versus Canada. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about this before. That Canadian team, are they predominantly Canadian domestic-based players? That's what I love about it. Um, they are predominantly domestic. Um, no Wolfpack players. Um, I think we had, I can't pronounce his name, but Nagati uh, was named the only Canadian Wolfpack player now playing rugby. Uh, yeah, so fuck he, you, Nagati. Fuck you, Nagati. <laughs> You're dead to us. <laughs> <You're> de- <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, good luck in your uh, in your endeavours. 
Uh, but, you know, if you want to come back, come back. <laughs> <laughs> the door is the door. always open, the gutty. <laughs> Mate, uh, but look, I like the fact that they're they're trying to build something from within. There's something special about Canadian rugby league. They will get better. The Wolfpack will ensure that. Uh, but I think Jamaica will probably be a little bit too strong for them. They've got they've got some players coming th- uh, over from England, um, and I think they'll just be a tad too strong for Canada. Uh, but as you said, USA walk over them. Uh, the following week, and they will make their way into the 2021 yeah, they've, they've World Cup. They've got their spot booked. All right, mate. Well, topic number three. So final topic for this evening. Uh, I want to talk about France qualifying uh, and obviously some Euro Euro Cup results. So round two of the Euro Cup, we saw uh, Wales defeating Scotland 50-12. to 12. Absolute caning, absolute shellacking. Uh, France... 24 to 10 winners over Ireland. They booked their place in the 2021 World Cup. Uh, we've got two games coming up this week. So we'll see France and Scotland. Uh, France should win that convincingly and go through the Euro Cup undefeated. Uh, and we've got Ireland and, and Wales. Uh, winner of that game goes through to the World Cup as well. Uh, I think Ireland probably slight favourites to take that one out. Um, I'm purely basing that off the fact that they've got a little bit more Super League talent in their side, but also um, they came a little bit closer to France than Wales did, and I'm kind of measuring all of these European teams uh, against the French yardstick. Um, Charlie, do you see it going any other way? No, I think I think France and Ireland uh, will qualify. I think that's probably the best thing for the game. They're more likely to be competitive against those other Tier 2 teams than, than Scotland and Wales are. Of course, France, for you and I, will always be sentimental <laughs> favourites. Um, we could spend a whole podcast talking about this, but some of the struggles that uh, French Rugby League has endured at the hands of Rugby Union and the French government, well documented, we'll, we'll definitely get into I, that. I think we show. will spend a whole podcast on that at some point, um, maybe once the international season is over, because it is an interesting topic and uh, we'd like to dig a little bit deeper. Um, look, really good news for Scotland and Wales, Charlie. So, and I'm assuming that Wales will be, will be, will lose against Ireland this weekend. So, if I'm wrong, I apologise, Wales. Let me just give them a quick shout out. Uh, Wales, probably one of the better international rugby league Instagram pages uh, that's out there at the moment. Great clips on their page, a lot of action. Follow them if you're not already. But um, and follow us if you're not already. Follow us well. if you you're wanna, not already. You wanna... <laughs> Give us a plug as well. <laughs> follow us back, Wales. Um, <laughs> but Scotland and Wales, uh, or Scotland and whoever loses out of Wales and Ireland, I should say, they're going to go through. They're going to have another chance to make it to the 2021 World Cup. Losers go through um, to the European playoff pool next year, where they'll come up against Italy, Russia, Spain, and one other. And, um, Charlie, how many of those six teams will qualify for the World Cup? I think, Michael, it is four of those six which qualify right. for the World Cup. So, uh, Really sorry to the two that don't make it. The, the Probably Russians, Spain. Uh, oh, Russians and the Spaniards, would I think, you say? Oh, I think Russia's a chance. Um, Spain, Spain, it really depends, but whoever comes in in that last spot, probably a Czechoslovakia or something like that, oh, yeah. just making up the numbers. But, um, look, I think, yeah, France, Ireland, Scotland, Wales they're all going to be in the World Cup. Uh, it's just that France and either Ireland or Wales are going to get there a year before the other two. So um, all good, all good. I want to talk a little bit about French rugby league in general, domestically and internationally, now that they've qualified for this World Cup. Um, we've got a soft spot for them. Um, and I don't know if, if 
it's just the the sort of that romance that I have for them that um that makes me feel like they they're onto something at the moment but I really think they can grow into something special I think they're probably the most obvious European side to I guess come up into that second uh, become one of those second strong European teams um well the the game needs another strong European force um, England needs to be playing someone when Australia's playing New Zealand and Tonga. And um, France needs to be that team. I think the Elite One competition uh, is going quite well. Um, but also Catalan in the Super League, they've got six uh, French players in their squad at the moment. I think that's probably the most they've ever had. We've got Toulouse in the Championship League. They've got 12 uh, French internationals in their squad as well. Look, everyone talks about how close the Wolfpack came to qualification for the Super League. And what people forget is that Toulouse is right there as well. We were very near, very close to having two French teams in the Super League next year. Um, good on London Broncos for for qualifying. I think that was good for ex- the expansion of rugby league in England as well. But, you know, Toronto or a second French team would have been amazing. Um, I think if we can get to a point where we've got two strong teams in the Super League from France, a mixture of, of French players... Um, in other Super League clubs as well. Yeah, it's a game changer. We're going to have a strong French team. Uh, the only issue will be that uh, rugby, well known for poaching the best French rugby league players, that would probably continue to happen unless maybe we can get uh, the NRL involved. Maybe they can pick up two or three, three of these uh, strong French players as well. I think that's when we're going to see a competitive French side and we're going to see Australia, New Zealand, England, Tonga and France as a uh, competitive top five in the short-term world, dream. world Cups to come. Mate, um, it's been great talking to you tonight. Three amazing topics. Uh, there are a couple, of, a couple of little results that I do want to mention before we go. So we've talked about a lot of international games as well. Uh, one, one other international game, Papua New Guinea, 32 against the England Knights, 22. So England Knights, I guess the younger, kind of like the Australian Prime Minister's 13, sort of a side, sort of a B team. Um, those two, they played each other twice. They took a game each. Um, and uh, assistant coach Paul Sculthorpe said, excellent experience. All English players should get a chance to play in Papua New Guinea. Uh, there's something about um, the nation that that spawned rugby league up against the nation that loves rugby league more than any other. Something very special about that. And I think um, I hope we see more games between English sides and Papua New Guinea in the future. The other result I want to talk about. So back to club rugby league now. Uh, the Balkan Super League, Red Star Belgrade following them as closely as I can despite the language barriers but they've just won a semi-final Google Translate's been getting a workout following <laughs> the uh, European Super League <laughs> they've just won a semi-final against the Katakoi Bulls 58-10 to they are shellacking teams left, right and centre they're playing in the grand final against the Partisan side from Turkey um, probably another shellacking uh, Red Star Belgrade winning comps left, right and centre. Hopefully we see good things from them. Question without notice, do they have Super League ambitions? They, de- they definitely do. I think they're probably the Toronto Wolfpack of Serbia. Uh, they'll probably progress a little bit slower than the Wolfpack did, but there's definitely a lot going on, and I think that's a topic for a future podcast as well. I think that's better place than any to sign it off. Charlie, it's been great, mate. Carbs, a pleasure as always. And folks, just remember, fuck you, <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>